Okay, recording live. The newest episode of Marta the Minimalist podcast, exclusively for you, the members of The Minimalist Method for Prosperous Female Entrepreneurs. I love helping other people to not have to go through some of the tests and trials that I did if possible. This is where you get the first dibs of the best business strategies ever so you can grow your revenue while minimalizing your time, your efforts, and your energy. There's great coaches. There's people in this field. So yeah, you want them on your team. And welcome to the newest recording, uh, recorded live episode of Marta the Minimalist podcast. This week, we have a special treat for you in the group that uh, is called Female to the Millionaire Moguls uh, in the Making. Uh, I typically go live in my uh, my main Facebook community, which is um, Marta the Minimalist. I'm sorry. It's actually the Minimalist Method for Prosperous Female Entrepreneurs. However, I've got a special training in there this week called uh, the Five Minute Business Boot Camp with me, which every day this week I've been going live for little bite-sized pieces that are totally digestible for you to bring your business forward. So this week we're bringing the Marta the Minimalist episode live to you and the ladies in the female um, millionaires in the making group, female millionaire moguls in the making group, uh, which by the way, I have created for you female entrepreneurs to post whatever you want about your business. Yeah, you can go in this group and you can promote yourself. But enough about that. Without further ado, I want to introduce today my guest, Autumn, who is a one of the wonderful uh, web developers uh, that we partner with at Media the Creative Agency, where uh, I come alongside you as your marketing consultant, my content writers, and uh, my graphic designers. Um, they uh, they we create the content and then Autumn puts it all together uh, into a website for you. So um, she had actually, I posted in this Facebook community, if you could talk about anything and shout it from the, from the rooftops, what would it be? And she, she answered the psychology of branding. And I thought, okay, well, we got to get you on the podcast about this. So Autumn will be talking to you about psychology rooted branding and how she uses three psychologies, psychology rooted methods to make sure that your brand is built on a foundation of your values that connect with the heart and soul of your business and your ideal clients too. Without further ado, Autumn, tell them who you are, what brought you to doing what you're doing today, and why should they listen to you? Who, who the heck are you to say all these things? So I'm Autumn and I am a psychology rooted brand strategist. That is the, the main title that I go by these days. So I'll, I got into the uh, design world through web design and then um, I started doing some branding and I got into brand psychology because as a designer, I had all these strategies in my head and I wanted some way to sort of communicate that to my clients clearly, because as a designer, you know, you have all of these thoughts like running through your head and all these strategies that are coming up. And sometimes it's really hard to communicate that and get it put out into words. Um, 
I don't know about you, Marta, but as a designer, like you, you, you kind of feel those things, but it's sometimes it's hard to put, get it out. And so I needed some sort of foundation to pull it all together. And um, I had been um, reading some books um, and I read the book, The Hero and the Outlaw. And that's when everything kind of clicked together. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm doing. And this is like the words this is how like I'm doing it. And I didn't even kind of realize it. And I became obsessed. But to be honest, I've always been obsessed with like personality tests and psychology. I took a ton of courses in high school. I always thought I would be a psychologist. Um, and then I went into college and I'm multi-passionate. So I have um, myth many different roads that I went down through in college, and I always enjoyed the psychology. Um, and so this really brought everything together with me of connecting my passion for, um, you know, like how people act and why they act the way they do. And, um, you know, like getting into the heart and soul of who you are. And so one of my goals with my clients um, when I build their brand is to really embody who they are so that they look at this and they're like, oh, this is totally me. Um, and I want something that is everlasting, that has a foundation. So through my signature three-step process, I'm really able to get down to the root of who they are what um, their brand is and really have that come to life. And so when you think about brands, we need to think about them as living people. Brands have personalities just like we do. They evolve and grow just like people. And so we want to make sure that there's a firm foundation to build that on. So Great. that's a bit about the second so can you tell uh the business owners or business leaders who are uh, listening like how does this apply to them and their website and their branding so uh, a lot of times we see like um when we're trying to figure out like what our branding should look like a lot of times people just go directly towards the look of the brand and so what I want to encourage is that people are not like just looking at what's popular, what's beautiful out there, but really to find something that really connects with who they are and that's authentic and true to them. Um, because, you know, like one of my all-time sayings is let's build your brand on facts, not fads, because fads come and go. And what's popular today is might not be popular tomorrow. And so we want to build up your brand. We want it to build like to be everlasting and to be able to grow with you and to connect with you as a person. And so that's really important to just not follow like the fat, you know, the fads that are going on to just build something that really connects um, and means something to you. Awesome. So what are the three psychologies that you use? So um, I do the three-step process and it helps me get an overall picture of who they are and what they want to communicate. And so the first step is the heart story. And I first learned about this process with Emma Natter. I don't know if you've heard of her, but it completely changed how I got down to the heart story. Um, so I ask a series of questions that boils down to a core memory and relate it to how they view the world. Um, and so the question that I ask um, as we're meditating on this question is um, how would the world be a better place if they felt this? And so 
this process, a lot of times it's surprising and emotional because everyone has a core memory that has changed their life, even if they don't realize it. And we as entrepreneurs, we have started our business for a reason. And a lot of times we know what that surface level reason is, but usually there's a core memory behind it that has shaped your life. And it can be kind of surprising what it is. So that's the first step. And then the second step is taking that core memory and kind of digging deeper, asking a ton of questions and finding the values and the overall goal of your brand as it relates to your passion of why you started this business. And that's where I really hone in on what brand archetype they are. And the brand archetypes are based off of Carl Jung's um, theory of personalities, that there's 12 different types of um, personalities. And so the different types, if you want to go into that, yeah, um, is there's the hero. Um, and that is the person who their overall goal is to empower people to change the world. And then there's the outlaw um, who wants to destroy what isn't working. Then there's the magician who wants to help people make their dreams come true. The explorer who wants to find freedom um, through adventure. And the jester who just wants to lighten up the world. And the caretaker who wants to be of service and help people. The everyman or um, sometimes this is called the citizen who wants to create a community of belonging. And there's the lover archetype that wants people to feel connection through relationships. The sage archetype, this is the biggest one that you could think of, um, like Oprah Winfrey, who wants to change the world through knowledge and information. Um, innocent, who wants to build a safe world. The ruler, who wants to create order. And then the creator, who wants to create something of lasting value. And so by finding this archetype, we can better understand um, how to communicate with the base foundation of who our brand is and the main goal of the brand. And with this, um, that's where we really find the voice and the communication style of the brand where with the heart story, we find the, the foundation, the why. This is more of like the, the what we are and how we're going to communicate. And then the third step is color psychology. And this one I am like totally obsessed with because I first found out about color psychology in the book, How to Style Your Brand by Fiona Humberstone. And since then, I have taken her uh, color psychology course, and I've dug a lot deeper into it, done a lot of research. And this is actually another theory that is based on Carl Jung as well, um, but it's taking a, a step further. Um, so anyone in the 70s probably has heard of seasonal color psychology. Are you a summer, winter, fall brand? Um, and so it got really popular back then. Um, but I'm using that process towards brands um, specifically. And I use this to determine how a brand should look outwardly. What colors, what kinds of shapes, what uh, should be the photograph style and the fonts. And this really sets the tone for the brand. Um, so for example, spring, um, when you, um, and, and also this is using like 
nature, um, what God has already created um, to like see how colors come together in nature. And so that's another reason, like I really love um, color psychology. I'm a Christian and it really just kind of relates to like what we already know is true about our world through, you know, how nature reacts. And um, so spring, when you think about spring, that's when everything is like blooming and coming to life. So these spring brands are forward-thinking, inspirational, creative, energetic, and transparent. And this looks like light and bright colors with yellow undertones and high saturation. Um, you know, you think about like tulips and like the greens and um, that are, you know, blooming at that time. And so we want um, fonts and patterns to have like a appearance of movement just like we see in nature um so like the bees are buzzing and the the flowers are blooming we want to kind of carry that feeling over into the font so maybe some like you know like some swish fonts and some rounded um things and anything that like has like a logo that maybe has like a gif in kind of style to it that is changing um so that's really like the spring brand and then the summer is like the hot and active season it's also the season of luxury we think about all the people going on vacations so brands in this seasons are elegant efficient productive and well organized um, so this looks like cool, delicate, and muted colors. Um, we want rounded and soft um, patterns and rounded fonts, um, just to kind of like uh, state that kind of luxury kind of feel, um, but a little bit like um, like productive and and kind of the feel of it. Um, and then fall. Now this one is a really a lot of brands fall into the fall category. So fall is the productive season. Um, you think about like school coming back into session, the harvest times, um, and then brands that are fall are warm, friendly, earthy, passionate, organic, has family-based values. Um, and this season has the most wide range of colors. Um, if you look at like nature and fall, like there's so many colors everywhere. And those colors are warm and intense and a little bit muted. And we want like handwritten fonts and patterns, some illustrations, anything that looks approachable to kind of bring that warm and friendly aspect back into it. And then there's winter. And winter is a special season. Um, it is the season of extremes. So these are usually like either one way or the other. So brands that fall into this category are visionary, cutting edge, grounded, expert, high end. So this looks like cool, intense, and strong colors. And this is the only season that you can use the color true black. Um, that's the only season that can use that color. Now with the other seasons, you can have like, you know, like a, a dark blue or, you know, a dark green to kind of um, pull that together. So brands with the winter seasons um, can be either one of two things. They can be extremely colorful, like bright neons, all of these colors that seemingly um, like if you're a minimal kind of person that seemingly like uh, they they clash to you or something like that. But like all of the neon fonts um, or 
the other extreme of being very um, minimal and understated. And so it's going to be one extreme of the other. We want fonts and patterns that are strong, geometric and drastic, because these are the experts of the field. And so those are the four seasons. And that's the three-step process. Go through the heart story. Um, then I go through the brain archetypes and then the color psychology aspect of it. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> you really can talk about that. Like you, you have, you have such a well-versed uh, knowledge around it and you can tell that you're really excited about it. And I love it. Yeah. I, I want to go back to, and you didn't know I was going to ask this and I really hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but I want to go back to what you said about the heart centered story pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah. And I know that you and I, we've been connecting for, for a while. You've been providing web development for uh, our clients and for us. Um, you're the actual developer. I, I strategize it with my team and we write the content and, uh, and then you actually pull the website together for us. And, um, but we really, I think, felt a deeper connection when I shared my views on, um, if you guys know me, you know that I am pro-life and you know that I have my own story behind that. Um, and probably a core memory around it is why I have such a firm belief around it. And, um, and you were one of the ones because you felt that a, a lot of times the, um, the stance that some people take about, you know, pro-life versus pro-choice is, well, a lot of those children would end up in the, in the foster system. And um, while I can understand where their heart might be when they are saying that you shared something very profound about you and your story that I felt was such a, was such a good point and one that I make myself. So can you share about your story of growing up and are you okay with that? Are yeah. you I don't no, know if we want to because we're live. So, but you can actually feel like you can say, I'm not going to share anything like that. Let's move on. <laughs> no, and I do want to say like a warning ahead of time is it is a trigger kind of story. Um, so if you're listening to this and like you have extreme abuse, or, um, I, I will mention that in my story. Um, so I grew, I grew up in a Wiccan household. Um, and my stepfather actually, um, practiced Satanism. Um, so I grew up in a completely different kind of lifestyle. Um, and I was extremely abused. Um, and then thankfully, eventually when I was eight years old, um, my teachers finally was like, Hey, this girl is there's something wrong, you know, like, and basically I had like bruises all over my body, broken bones and everything. And so they took me away from school. Um, and I went into foster care and I never, I went through 27 different foster homes. Um, I never found my forever family. Basically my mom like gave me up for adoption, but my biological father didn't. So I was never available for adoption. I was only available for like permanent foster care. And at this point I was already eight years old. I was an older child. Nobody really wants the older children. They want the younger children. My um, siblings was also in um, foster care as well, but they were much younger. I was the oldest. Um, and it was a very, very hard childhood, um, going from home to home, never really finding one. And a lot of the foster homes 
you know, kind of being abusive, but um, my life mattered, you know, like taking that, you know, like saying that, you know, because my mom was, she was supposed to have an abortion with me as well. Um, and she chose not to. And a lot of people would say, well, it might've been better if you didn't have to go through that. But that, that makes no sense to me because I am who I am and God has created me specifically like with a purpose. And, you know, I feel a very deep calling to like share my purpose, um, you know, because I've, I've had a very difficult life, um, a lot of struggles. Um, you know, I've finally found the love of my life in high school and his parents kind of became my parents. They are my forever family. I tell my husband all the time, if you ever leave me, I'm just going to become your sister because those are my parents. <laughs> um, so, and then we got married and we couldn't, we went through five miscarriages, um, nine years of infertility, um, not being able to have our own. So we became foster parents because, you know, I knew that there was a need for foster parents because I had been in the, that system and there's not a lot of good homes out there um, that will take in older kids. And we actually got my eight-year-old um, who is now 15. I cannot believe it. Um, and we got him um, through foster care and we went through the process and adopted him. And then eventually, um, three years ago, we had our miracle baby through um, a lot of medical intervention and science. Um, so, you know, but saying that my life or my son's life, um, you know, like should have been like, you know, ended early so that we wouldn't have to go through that suffering. I know my my eight-year-old, my 15-year-old who I adopted at eight, he had a really hard childhood as well. But if he was not born, I would not have him. And like, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You know, like I, like, I'm so thankful um, for you know, I'm not going to say I'm thankful for like things I went through. I had a hard life, but there's a lot of purpose in my life. And I, I strongly feel that. And I think a lot of people in similar situations do as well. Thank you, Lana, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, if you could shed some light on this, I've never had a chance to ask anybody this, but could you shed some light about the foster system? And you said you went through 27 homes. What's the cause behind that? Typically, what, what causes the change in the, in the constant change of homes? Um, so anytime a child has, and I'm not going to say I'm at blame because I was a child, you know, um, there are bad foster homes. I had a numerous amount of reasons why I've changed from home to home. But one of the biggest things when you become a foster parent, you have to be willing to love them through and like see that sometimes the behavior that, you know, like if they're like, I hate you, my mom is better than you, you know, or those kinds of things, you have to love them through it because they, their whole world has changed. They, they, you know, they don't know, like for me, for example, I always tell people that my husband, who is the one who showed me how to love, and he stuck stuck through it with me when we were teenagers, because I didn't know what love was. I didn't, like, I never felt a parent's love. You know, like, I, 
like that, that was foreign to me. And then like, he was a Christian and the idea of like, cause he was a, uh, he is, his dad is a pastor. And so like, you know, I met him at this church. I was curious. Um, and like the idea of like God, the father, when my father had been, you know, my stepfather had been like a nightmare, you know, for me, and like, it was so difficult to imagine like that love comes from a thought. good. Yeah. Like, or that, that people can love you, even if you make a mistake, because, you know, as a foster child, you're like, you make a mistake. They're like, you're out of here. You know, like mm-hmm. we can't take care of you, you know, or, you know, like, um, you know, some people just, didn't want an older child or they they had a baby come in um to the foster care system and they only had room for one child so they were like well I really want the baby you know and so I think that the foster care system has some issues but I think the biggest issue is the reason that people come into foster care like you have to be prepared to deal with it and I've I've seen both sides of it being a foster parent is extremely extremely hard. Um, when we went through the foster care process, it was so difficult and seeing it from the other side, um, you know, like I could understand some of the reasons, um, from that I was like moved around, Mm -hmm. but it still didn't make it easier, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. you have to be prepared to like love people. Like if you're going into foster care, for the wrong reasons, it's not going to (laughs) work. Right, right. And oftentimes it's also, I would feel, and I'm not, I don't have any experience with this, not just loving the child, but loving the parents who weren't deemed to be the best fit for the child, because it has to be a love all around for everyone involved, right? Yeah. And these, you know, when you were born to a you know, into a family, you're going to have a bond with them. And so one of the things I've had to learn through, you know, like being a foster parent is that you can't like, even if you think negative things about their biological family, like you shouldn't express that to the child because they have a bond with them. That is, that is like sacred territory. And you have to be able to just like, you know, like one of the things like when we were doing foster care, a child would say, you know, like my mom's better than you. And that's very hurtful, you know, like, and, or my mom cooks better than you. And, and, you know, you have to be able to like, you know, breathe and think this is not, this is not for my glory. This is for the child. Like I need to, you know, love the child love, love the parent, you know, and, you know, you can hate what they've done and still like have compassion, you know, and not to show that hatred of like maybe what they've done or what the child went through, like not to show it to the child, just to show them like love and compassion. And, you know, like, you know, they're going to throw tantrums. They're going to throw things They're, You know, they don't know. They don't know what healthy, normal relationships are. And so you have to be patient and loving and there's a huge need. So if you, if you've ever had that on your heart, if anybody's listening, there's a huge need for foster parents and, um, you know, something that we're going to 
probably do again when we're older. Right now, we don't have the room for more kids, but like, yeah, it, it's it's a hard process, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. And I think what you said is very applicable to every child, even if it's your own child that you birthed, right? Or um, somebody else's child, right? That is just like your, your child's friend or your niece or your nephew to understand that their children, they're operating the best that they can. They don't know how to navigate, navigate a lot of their emotions. So I think what you said is applicable or even in relationships where, uh, maybe you're not getting along with your, your significant other or your ex or your spouse, what you said about, you know, that sacred territory to the children and not to speak ill of that individual to the children. I think that applies there too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thank you for sharing that. Um, that's, it's like, I'm, re- I'm really grateful that you felt comfortable enough to share that story and, um, and you guys heard it. So you guys, you should get lots of websites. So Autumn can buy a nice big house and she can foster as many children as she possibly can. You, you heard it here first, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure that by listening to her story, you're, you're probably feeling more connected to her and you are, and if you're not, if you're, if you've heard of everything that we've said, um, and you're like, stay the heck away from me, then that is right on. Like you have the freedom to feel that way and you have the freedom to go and find your community, go find your people uh, where you feel that you have a sense of belonging to. That is the whole point of having a psychology-based um, uh, branding and not even just in your in, in the colors and the design and the way things look, but also in what you share online uh, in your words and your story and your beliefs, you might feel inclined to try to create something, create a brand, create a business, create a voice, create a story, create a message that is going to please everyone. Well, unfortunately, by doing that, you are not going to please anyone in particular. Like nobody's really going to lean in and go, that's my girl. That's, that's who I need to work with. So I think that Autumn shared something really important with us today. Um, and if you do need a new website, or if you, if you've had a website and it's time for a refresh, then by all means, PM me and let's have that conversation this week. And next week I'm actually offering a comp and I only do this for clients but I'm offering it to anyone who reaches out to me by email or PM or whatever way you want to reach out. I will do a um, live review of your website, your Facebook, your Instagram, your LinkedIn. um, And even I'll even opt into your email list and see what's going on there and do a complimentary review of how your assets online are performing to actually effectively attract your ideal client. And then you could take it you could give it to someone on your team to improve the things that I point out, or we could have a conversation on how myself and my team members like Autumn can completely take that online marketing off your hands so you can go do whatever the hell you want to do instead. Because if marketing is not your jam, then please, please, I beg of you, take it off your plate and let us take care of it for you. Because we, you heard Autumn, you heard how excited she is about it. I get just as excited about it too, especially if you are a business leader who has a practice or a firm that is committed to improving the health and the lives of families everywhere. Um, anything else on that you want to say to them? 
I I think that the biggest takeaway here is to like be true to yourself and your story and like don't try to copy everybody else. Don't follow the fads. Follow yourself. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's so, that's so important. And if you would love to be a guest on Marta the Minimalist podcast, again, reach out to me. I love to um, give a platform to female business leaders like um, like Autumn here. We'll go live on Facebook and then you'll be shared just like Autumn on all of my social media platforms and on our email list as, as well. Um, and we can't wait to talk to you guys again. We've got some really awesome guests coming up in the next few weeks. Pay attention to the content. Get in the Facebook groups. If you're listening on a platform that is not a Facebook group, get in the Facebook groups that I mentioned and PM me to see about getting that complimentary review of your online presence and whether um, myself and my team members um, like Autumn, who has her own business and we partner together to provide uh, a be beautiful websites for clients we might be able to help you. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.